Verdadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. At the end of each episode, I will be checking in with psychologist and fellow dad Todd Kettner as he shares his insights into parenthood. My name is Blue, and I am a Dad Without Borders. Welcome to another episode of Dad Without Borders. Before I introduce today's guest, I just want to let you know that starting next week, I will be releasing a guest episode every Tuesday and a solo cast every Thursday. The solo cast will be my opportunity to share some of my parenting wisdom from everything that I have learned over the last few years. I will also be reflecting on some of the recent conversations I've had with other dads, so please subscribe to the podcast and don't miss an episode. My guest this week is an oil and gas worker who moonlights as a ski bum. Originally from Australia, Paul now lives with his teenage kids in Western Canada. We discuss his experiences of working overseas while his kids were young, and looking back, he has some wisdom to share with a fresh perspective. As an international dad that has been through a long and difficult divorce, I appreciate his positive attitude while he offers some interesting parenting tips. As ever, stay tuned at the end of the show for some golden takeaways with another professional debrief with psychologist Todd Kettner. Please enjoy. So, Paul, thank you so much for joining me on Dad Without Borders today, uh, the podcast, uh, which is a great chance to talk to other dads. And in particular, you you have a really interesting background in terms of your international work in oil and gas while being a dad. From Australia, you ended up now in Canada in the mountains, uh, not that far from where I am. Uh, Fantastic mountain culture to raise your kids. So I'm really interested. So maybe we could just start with, so who's in your household in terms of as a family? Um, in the household at the moment, there's myself, uh, my two daughters, Yasmin and Saskia, and uh, my partner, Sharon. And apart from that, we've got uh, two really weird hounds. So kind of... It... <laughs> the other big, the big kids or the little kids, the toddlers, they're kind of toddlers forever when you have a dog, I think. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and... So you're originally from Australia, but you're living here in BC, uh, interior BC in the mountains, uh, quite close to a ski hill, as it happens, with your family. So how long have you been here full time? Look, I've been here full time since um, mid-2015, but my love affair with this place goes back a good 23 years now, Where when I actually first bought the house that we live in at the moment. So... Yeah, this was always the destination place and the place to bring up a family even before I had a family. It was something I kind of had in mind. And did you cut, you came to Rosalind for skiing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, look, I'm a ski bum from way back. I've got like 43 seasons in, in my belt at the, at the moment. So I've been skiing for a long, long time. Wow. So I'd sort of skied all over the world. And this was the one place that, absolutely took my breath away it absolutely encompassed everything i'd ever dreamt about in in terms of a ski resort a culture a place to live nature you name it it it, it this place ticked all the boxes and that was 23 years ago and it, it still kind of amazes me to this day as i look out the window and go wow i'm actually living here yeah 100 percent. i totally relate because nelson i found in two a little bit later, 2004, 2003, 2004 season, ski season. And same thing. I came for skiing and then just fell in love for all the same reasons that you did. Um, and what a great place to bring up a family. Oh, gosh. So, so let's set the scene in terms of raising kids, uh, but working overseas. So where were your kids? And I've heard some of your story in the past, but where were the kids born? And in the early stages of their lives, were you having to travel away for work or was that a progressive thing in terms of 
I'm a dad now. I have to go out and earn, you know, a decent wage. What, what kind of happened there? Well, look, it, it was um, part of the culture that I'd um, uh, got involved in after my first marriage. So it, it was um, just something that kind of fell into place. I'd actually packed my bags and left my home in Cooma in the Snowy Mountains and actually headed over to Western Australia on a big adventure to kind of get my life back together again and make enough money to go forward. And there I met um, the, the mother of my children. And um, from that point, it was a case of, well, gosh, you know, kind of we can uh, give ourselves the best chance of going forward and setting up a life as a family together. So uh, kind of it was initially in mining uh, the work I was doing. So it was pretty much a case of let's kind of work hard for five years, get ourselves set up and then concentrate on set, kind of settling down and building a good life. So that was pretty much the reasoning behind it. So yeah, the kind of my two daughters were born in Western Australia and my uh, son was later born in 2007 up in Darwin. So, so kind of, we, we were sort of, a, I was traveling all over the place as it was primarily all over Australia. And um, by the time 2007 had come along, I was actually working overseas. You know, I was based in Houston for a while and then uh, right. kind of worked in China and uh, I'd been working in East, kind of East Timor for quite a while and, you know, kind of eventually uh, China and South Korea. So lots so of when, different work. So when the kids were very, so when, and how old are the kids now? Um, but uh, Yasmin's, uh, she's 18. She's actually studying university from home, which is a bit of a bummer. Saskia is 16. And my son Lachlan is 13. So when they were born, you were, you were already in the mining industry. And then your, it sounds like your career just sort of progressed and like opportunities kind of opened up as they were getting older. And so you were, you were spending time away. And yes. how, how long were you, would you be away for any stretch of time? I oh, look at the, the the general roster was like a month on month off. Uh, there were there were um, some jobs like when I was working in Houston where the first stint was kind of eight months. Uh, there were some uh, extended stints where I'd actually have to work through and do three months. It was just really dependent on the jobs. I'm a completions engineer, so it was all about just kind of getting these huge plants up and running and getting the hell out of there. And and uh, right. so. It, it was pretty much just go, 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 go. And um, the job sort of dictated your life. And um, kind of as, as it turned out with um, my marriage, it also meant that kind of I needed to make more and more money as time went on. So the five-year right. plan sort of blew out into a 15-year plan. Gotcha. So when you're, if you're away for eight months in a stretch, how, how much time, how do you connect with, like how, first of all, how long are you away for, before you actually get to visit? Like you, I'm assuming you're not away for a whole eight months, you get to come back or how did that work? In that particular instance, I was away for the whole eight months. I kind of, it, it was a case of, I'd had to go over there, do all the preliminary work for um, a big job over in um, China. So it was a case of suck it up buttercup and um, just, just get yourself ready. And then it was gonna be a, a two month transition back in Australia before I headed over to, China on a uh, three month on one month off basis. So wow. that was probably the toughest stints. No doubt. And, and in terms of reconnecting with the kids, it was just super difficult. Yeah. I mean, I was really lucky with my eldest daughter when she was much younger because uh, kind of she and I just did some fantastic trips together. Like, you know, when, when she was three, we came over to Rosalind and we got, we just skied together and hung out for a month. And yeah. You know, we kind of did a lot of that other stuff, but as time went on, the the job sort of took over my um, uh, personal life, and so connecting with the kids just became more and more difficult. And the nature of the industry also meant that I was getting um, further and further away from my now ex. Right. As, as, so I mean, kind of the the uh, the effect of working away on relationships is one of the big things that I would warn anyone about. It's, it's, uh, right. It, it can be extremely difficult. So did you, when you're away, were there any things that you, I mean, it's easy. It's always easy to look back as well, but in the moment, were you using 
I mean, I can't remember FaceTime. I guess FaceTime wasn't a thing back then. I mean, maybe there was Skype. I feel like that's an everyday occurrence now. Yeah. But we're going back. Uh, I mean, if your oldest is 18, we're going back, what, 15 years? Yep. Oh, look, I mean, way back then, I mean, with the work, sort of work I was doing, I, I had um, uh, telephone accounts and cell phone accounts in, in, in every country. So that the ability to call up every day was always kind of, uh, made available to me so I mean yeah if, even if, no matter where I was working if I was working on an offshore facility or something like that there was always a way to contact the family so that I'd only you know kind of maybe go two days without actually talking to my ex or talking to the kids you know and yeah. and, and and kind of set, just saying hi and making sure that everything's going okay so you do have the ability to contact them but you just miss that face to face hundred percent. I actually, as you're saying that, and I hadn't thought of this actually, but so for me with Seth is, um, as you know, we've talked about it before, but Seth is over in the UK and, um, there's something very different about, um, not without having an image for a young kid, just the voice is just kind of not enough. I feel like there is, yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful that I'm lucky now that you know, my kid who's seven has an iPad so he can see me when we talk. And my kid here, so his brother, Indy, who's two years old, when we talk uh, with Seth, it's great because there's so much visual. But like, if it was just the phone, I don't think he'd have interest. I think he'd just he'd be off playing in the corner. But because there's a, he can see Seth on the screen, it's a huge lifesaver with that distance yeah. between us. I got to say, like, I think that's helped us maintain such a strong connection is the FaceTime. It's just, yeah, just having that image in front of you. I can imagine how much of a struggle it would be being away for a length of time and just having the phone without extra, without the extra image. Oh gosh, it, it was absolutely cruel. I, I, like I say, if, if I had to make the choice again, it, it would, it be, you know, forget the, um, the, the money. It's, it's more important to spend time with the kids. Um, you know, kind of, it, it was just the way it went. I mean, it, I mean, in terms of personal development and personal experience, it, it was fantastic learning experiences, you know, kind of in terms of being able to interact and relate to other people and other cultures, phenomenal. And, and, you know, that it is primarily the gift that I've been able to hand to, um, my kids now is the fact that you know kind of i'm a gregarious kind of can talk to anybody sort of person and um and you know i've really got a good story and my kids are super interested in the person that i've become so you know it wasn't all as bad as it could get but playing catch up is, yeah. is the big thing you know right. that's that's what i find myself doing now right um, so go, going back to when you first had the kids and, you know, you're in this career in the mining, did, but do you remember the transition um, in terms of just adjusting to being a dad? Like, because I just remember, I mean, I had a different situation, but I was seasonal working, traveling. Um, so I was going away sometimes in the summer. And I just realized and going through a divorce as well, I realized that well, I had a choice. I could kind of keep that lifestyle going and kind of give up being the dad and say, okay, mom, you get to take the kid and, you know, I'll send you money in the post kind of thing. But in the end, I just, I made that transition into, you know what, I'm going to find a stable job. I won't earn as much money, but I'm going to be present for my kid and engaged. Um, but it was tough because I just, I was raised with a dad that was very much, he would go away. Actually, he, in my probably teen years, he would be away maybe one week of a month. And I didn't really, I don't think of it in any negative kind of way. I just, you know, to that, it just set the, the standard, the blueprint, I guess, that I have in my brain of a dad, a dad earns money. He's the breadwinner. The mom's going to be holding the fort. And that was just kind of in my mindset. That was, so it was a weird transition for me to go to decide I'm going to be, a, I'm going to be a present dad, engaged dad. I'm going to do some of the things that my dad didn't do because he couldn't, because he was working full time. But I never saw my dad in a negative light in that sense. I just had, yeah, I just kind of had that transition, I guess. Yeah. I look, for, for me, it was a, a lot different because I actually had long wanted to be a dad before that point. In fact, 
kind of the um, wanting to be a dad and remain a dad was a reason that I actually stay with my ex instead of just kind of leaving and heading off into the sunset. Um, so, you know, for me, having kids, it was so the to do sort of thing. I mean, I, I had this fantastic uh, life being brought up in the snowy mountains as a as a kid and playing in the bush and you know with all the snakes and lizards and everything that Australia has to offer and um, it, it was a, a, a somewhat idyllic life and I just thought wow I really want my kids to have this and you know, I discovered Rosalind and I thought this place not only ticks the boxes it's just you know it, it's the life I had as a kid growing up on steroids wouldn't it be great to have kids here? And you know, two years later, I met my ex. So it was all pre-planned in terms ah, of- I see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, the, the, my transition to, to being a dad was already had taken place even before I'd um, met my ex. It was, it, it, it was something I always wanted to do. I wanted to make sure that my kids had the life that I had growing up. Right. Had all the, had all the experiences that, that, that that I had had um, growing up as well. And, you know, and my thought at the time, and it, and it has always remained, has been, um, well, you know, you give your kids the best parts of your life so that they don't make the mistakes that you made. You know, kind of life for children is supposed to be just picking all the good bits they possibly can. They're going to make all the mistakes they're going to make. But, you know, you try to make their life that much kind of better for them and also give them the life skills that they have to go forward so for me having kids it was going to be an adventure and that was the way that I jumped into it so um, with Yasmin when she was really young we were already doing a continuation of the life that I had as a ski bum and we were hanging out and kind of doing dad daughter stuff and you know kind of she uh, absolutely um, shone as, as a child, you know, kind of when we were really, really young, and it was only the, um, uh, the, tra tra the traveling away that I did that put the kibosh on it to a to great degree. So that know? was a disconnect for, so from the age of three, so just to, not to dwell on the divorce and the separation, but yeah. what age were the kids when that started to happen? Oh, look, I mean, it was a turbulent relationships kind of all the way through because it, it was one of those things where we really shouldn't have continued, but we did the old let's stay together for the kids. My recommendation to any dads out there is don't stay together for the kids, get your, get your shit together and then come back and be the best person you can be when you're the best person you can be again. Don't. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Same thing. I thought it was the best thing. And yep. we tried and I tried for an extra year, I would say, like for a fair chunk of time. But yeah, you, at the end of the day, happy parents, like parents that, yeah, I think being in a relationship, there's, there's tension. The kids pick up on it so easily. Oh, gosh. And in yeah. the end, yeah, it's not, it's not the best choice in the end, I think. No, not at all. And kind of the, I mean, I look at the relationship that I've got with my daughters at the moment and my partner and, and my household and it's going, wow, you know, we've just died and gone to heaven. We've got everything that um, uh, I could have ever wished for. And if I'd have realized that a lot earlier in the piece, I would have just had this kind of that much sooner as, as opposed to sort of dragging it out. I mean, the result of having uh, such a long process was I wound up with three fantastic kids, you know, two of which I've got with me. So, yeah. you know, I can't complain about that as in terms of the people that they've turned into. I mean, they were always amazing. Now they are amazing. I mean, my daughter Yasmin, she's just phenomenal at what she's doing. I mean, kind of the last three years that we've spent together, she's a straight A student. Um, She's uh, kind of really gregarious, sport-minded. Uh, you know, she's studying computer science at the moment, and she's going to ace it, even with um, uh, COVID happening. And my daughter, Saskia, same sort of thing. She's gone from a solid C child when she was back in Australia to kind of just straight A's. Plus, kind of she is enjoying life. And I think that's the, the thing that they're really getting out of it. It's not kind of having to be pushed to be get great results it's kind of being free to get great results you know and and you know it, it, it there's a big difference between those two um kind of paradigms 
you know, and just to be stable, relaxed and have a home environment and have, you know, kind of supportive parents that you can't beat that. Yeah. 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 Totally. I, I think you're right. I think in the end, the kids are very good at adapting and sort of surviving these situations. I mean, whether it's ultimately, I mean, ultimately you want a kid to have live in a house with two loving parents and, no tension and no drama and all the rest of it. But I think in the end, yeah, they can survive it and we find ways of sort of adapting. Um, because I just, I'm interested to go back, actually, not back so much as I'm interested in your upbringing in Australia. I think of having never been there, everybody thinks I'm Australian. I live in Canada, as you know, <laughs> and everyone thinks I'm Australian, but I've never been there. And I imagine Australia as a fairly sort of patriarchal society where the dad is very much the breadwinner. I see it in the kind of, I just imagine it as being quite traditional in those senses. And so I wonder how you were raised. Do you think that culture shapes you in terms of your early parenting choices to be the one who's going out working, um, you know, in contrast to this sort of modern I think we're going there a lot more now, maybe around the world, but certainly in Canada here in the Coonies, where we are, you see it a lot more. The dads are very much at home. They're not traveling. Well, there's, there is the, the oil and gas culture here as well, but we are surrounded by, there's a lot more balance in the home life. It seems in terms of like equal breadwinners, equal co-parenting kind of happening. Yeah. What was, what was the product? Do you think you're a product of your upbringing in those early stages? Look, I mean, in, in terms of the early stages, it was definitely patriarchal because it was way back in the days of this, the single income household. You know, people could survive on that. Um, the, because of my age, I've pretty much gone through the whole change. And I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you, by the time I was thinking about um, having kids in my life, I would have been more than happy for my partner to go off and earn all the money. And I would have quite happily stayed at home as a, as a house dad. I mean, the only thing that went against that was the fact that as a male, I had the potential to earn that much more money and be, be that kind of much more of a, a support to the family. And so, yeah, it was um, not patriarchal by choice. It was purely patriarchal by circumstance. You know, it was, it was just the way that society was going. I mean, Australia's pretty much like Canada now in terms of, you know, kind of equal opportunities. In fact, a lot of the guys that I grew up with, their partners earn bucket loads more than them. And, and you know, kind of the guys are quite happy to sit back and kind of take more of a, a rearing um, a, a part of, of their children's lives. And, you know, they've really grown out of it. And uh, it, it is certainly more balanced. So you think that's changed a lot since you first had kids? in the last 18 years you've noticed oh yeah that. oh yeah look i mean kind of there's uh, there's some things that i've noticed that where it's swung a little bit the other way where you i mean here in roseland there's kind of part of the community that's just super strong women you know kind of or women without men even you know kind of i can raise the children on my own sort of thing i'm kind of i i'm not a hundred percent with it because it sort of makes me a little bit uncomfortable in terms of the fact that I really think that children should have both parents or two parents kind of in the mix, you know, so that they can kind of take lessons from both. I think one person struggling, be it male or female, in, in a job raising children, the, the children are the, the only losers out of that. You can't, you know, there's, there's no nurturing because there's no time to nurture it. It's all about a struggle and that's all that children learn. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that. So, um, yeah, I mean, it has changed. I mean, at the moment, we've got a really good um, uh, mix of responsibilities in the house. I've, you know, kind of caught up on years of work around the house that needed to be done. You know, kind of Sharon's the um, primary wage earner at the moment. I'm still looking for work, but by the same token, kind of having um, Sharon there in, in the support role means that I can be entrepreneurial and, you know, kind of get that next great job, you know, which will happen. It's not a case yeah. of when it's just, you know, I think it's great right thing. If you can do it. I mean, we talk about it all the time because we're both busy working, but we're lucky in the sense of Kootenai. Well, I think it's more of a modern, uh, I don't know if a modern approach to work, but it's something you come across in the Kootenai's more and more, which is the four day work week. 
this idea of work-life balance being really important. And so we're lucky in that sense that we both have three days every week we spend as a family, but at the same time, we're still having, you know, the little one who's two has to go into daycare for those four days. And yeah, I think we may look at changing that going into the new year here, but it's hard because you've got to get the right balance and you need the right income and things, life is not getting any cheaper, it seems. And, uh, you know, obviously we're grateful that we have work during COVID. So we don't want to upset that as well, but yeah, it's tricky. I think I'm with you. Like if you can take that time out and you can't get the early years back once they're gone, they're gone. And so I think sacrificing somewhat of the, and yeah, I, lots of respect to you for having, having the work ethic that you did early on and being able to make the money and things, but there's no right or wrong is there? but I, cause this is comes to another, another thing that I wanted to ask, which was just your approach to raising a successful kid. And you've sort of already mentioned that a little bit around their education and they're doing very well. Um, but I feel like the Coonies is in some ways more about the activities, the community, the nurturing family, access to nature. And my other kid here, who's going to be raised a little different, um, access to education, schools, everything else, but a lot of like time, with parents, with his family, a lot of playtime and a lot of discovering what his own interests are before pushing him into the academics. Just to, you know, just to let him grow as he needs to grow, um, which I think is my sort of approach to life, having been pushed myself. And yeah, I just wonder, yeah, do you see the difference here in the Kootenays? And do you have expectations? Because I can't lie, um, I, I sometimes do daydream about my kids being Olympic level skiers and uh, that being their drive and passion but you know i can't put that pressure on and i don't want to put the expectation on but yeah where are you at with that because your kid like they're 16 and 18 so that that you know they're getting ready to fly the nest and they're already kind of university sort of they've started that process yeah i uh, look um i think uh you've sort of hit the nail on the head with the no need to approach uh, kind of push your kids I mean, my children have become really good academically because they've been free to do it. Um, that it, It's not a case of me kind of um, pushing them anything more than going, you know, it'll be great. You kind of, you might as well set the benchmark as high as you possibly can while you're at school because you can take any level below the, the benchmark that you reach for. So if you don't know what you want to do, just kind of pick an area so that you know which subjects to be um, good at and see how good you can get and just challenge yourself. And that's the only reason that both my children have done so well at school. I mean, my daughter Yasmin, uh, she actually had Olympic skier potential. She was kind of um, uh, one of the coaches here at Red Mountain wanted to take her to uh, Silver Star and to train her for the Olympic team. She had such great promise, you know, she was, um, kind of what the top runner in the area for um, endurance running all the way through school. I mean, and when she went back to Australia with, with the mother and went into private school, I mean, she was there for six months and wound up uh, on the running team and kind of came just shy of getting a full scholarship for the rest of her private school education, which was a humongous shift amount for the rest of her life. And, you know, while she was there, she also went and tried out for the Australian Youth Choir and got accepted for that. And so the, the thing is, I mean, kind of the, the traveling back and forth messed up all of that for her in terms of the, the ability to do great things, but she'll still pick up and do wondrous stuff going forward. I mean, she's an amazing, skier she's an amazing singer she's amazingly intelligent the thing that kind of being in the Kootenays that has done for her is she's now grounded and so she can just pick up on those things and you know what kind of you don't even have to do anything more than wish the best for your kids and they will just do amazing stuff for you if you put the pressure on them or expect have expectations it, it it they're they're gonna try and maybe it's something they don't want to do i mean the lucky thing with my two daughters is they've they've got a pretty good idea of who they want to be and from from that who they want to be 
it, it it's really easy to become the person that you want to be. So, I mean, kind of for me, it, it's a pleasure because I can now sit back and go, well, I've just got a couple of really fantastic kids who are just going to do great stuff with their lives. And um, it, it's, it's kind of, it, it's kind of happening before my eyes. It's everything I would have wished for and would have wished for sooner, but it's finally here. And um, I think that's a really good point just to jump in. Cause I, but yeah, there's a psychologist that's written a book about conscious. Hang on, let me get this right. I think it's the conscious parent or conscious parenting. And the, the basis of it is as soon as they're born, you have to let go. You have to let them go because they are their own person. They have their own destiny, no matter what you want or think, or, you know, however you push them at the end of the day, it's, it's their destiny. They're their own person and you have to let go. You can't try and control it. And that it's very difficult, especially with the helicopter parenting culture that we have now, particularly in the States. I know it's a big thing there and it's been, I was reading today, it's been sort of, uh, overtaking Europe, uh, which has had a much more laid back approach to parenting and this whole helicopter parenting style. um, Yeah, it's it's sort of dominating a lot of families. And at the end of the day, you got to, there's a nature versus nurture. And it's, as the book was stating that it's fairly even in terms of like, you know, you're, you do have an important hand in your kid's upbringing, but it's more about you being the best human that you can be. That's being the best person that you can be that's what they pick up on and that's what they take into the world but they're going to do that they're going to be the person they're going to be they're going to do the things they're going to do but just support them when they find something that that finds that spark and so that's kind of what i'm trying to think about look absolutely that's exactly what it's about and kind of and that's the reason that um it was never a sacrifice for me to become a dad because the the thing is, it 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 was what I wanted. I mean, kind of, we I wanted to perpetuate um, kind of the the the, uh, the uh, you know bring a family into the world, and um, I wanted to give them the life skills they needed to survive. That's as far as it goes. I mean, I, I used to think of all the crazy things that I used to do with Yasmin that kind of uh, would always be frowned on by my ex like you know we'd be driving along and I'd hold her out the window of the car you know kind of you know kind of wow the wind in my face and you know kind of we might be up on the second story of a of a um this big fish and chip shop up in Point Sapson up in the north of Australia and I used to get her and put her up on the railing of the second story we just used to walk along the railing together I was holding her hand she was always going to be safe yeah, but the but the thing with that was it was the case of I'm just showing my kid life experiences, you know. Now I've got a you know a gorgeous 18 year old girl who rides a motorbike, kind of she she has complete freedom to be the best person that she can be because I just chose to be the best person I could be. And every minute that I've ever been with my children, I've just been myself. You know, it's it's not an act. It's not something I have to do. Nothing has ever been difficult for me in terms of helping my kids out or finding time for them or taking them places. It was just all part of the part of the job. You know, there was I didn't need any reward for it or, you know, any acknowledgement e- even because the, the, the reward was going to be the kind of free free thinking and, and kind of free minded young children, which is I've been lucky enough to kind of it, uh, turn out with so and you had a real intention about being a dad it sounds like which I can say I didn't I was 39 when I had Seth so I'm 46 now got a two-year-old and a seven-year-old but to me it was a little bit of a surprise I was quite happy I was quite CUNY culture skiing whenever I want I can run these adventure tour this adventure tourism business go guiding in the summer make enough to get by ski whenever I want in the in the winter and yeah I think for me it was, yeah, it was unexpected, but then I had chosen a place that was so different from my upbringing yeah. and somewhere that I wish I had been. Like, it sounds like you had, and I had, a, I had a very great, I had a great upbringing. I got no complaints about, you know, it was a fairy tale in the, the English con- quaint countryside, but I was bored a lot by a teenager, by my teenage years. And so I really, you know, the idea of the mountains and we watched, you know, all the American sort of TV shows and movies, so my dream was very much the Western, you know, the new world, you know, cat, you know, the wild West, essentially. 
which is where I ended up. So when I had kids, that's when I couldn't give them up. I was like, you know, the mom was originally from the UK. I'd been here a lot longer. But by that point, I was like, no, this is this is the place. This is the magic. Like, I can't give this up. And so I'm really glad that no, I relate to everything you're talking about in terms of like your kids being raised here and being grounded, because that's something I've noticed in the Coonies. And and I think you could find this in other areas for sure. Um, but there's something about the Coonies, because there's such a great community and access to nature and these outdoor activities, the kids, the people that grow up here are so grounded. Let me just go back to your kids were raised in Australia. You went through a separation. At what time do they start having access to, like, what time are they, like, in terms of being in Rosalind, when did that happen? Oh, look, um, we wound up going back and forth. Uh, kind of, it was a tug of love, but love between um, Australia and, um, uh, uh, and, and here in uh, Canada. And also kind of uh, my kind of hometown back in um, Australia at, in, on the Kuma Jindabyne side. Yes, because I, I grew up in the Snowy Mountains, so I obviously want my children to kind of grow up there a little bit and spend a little bit of time with my parents and, and everything over that side. So it was, say, from 2007 all the way through till 2016, it was going back and forth. We, we, we actually kind of came back to Canada four times. So it was costing me an absolute living fortune, moving the family back and forth, you know, kind of to try to, you know, convince my ex to stay in one spot. At the end of the day, it was just a case of, well, that's it. I've had enough. I mean, I came back from uh, working overseas. I was a basket case, PTSD and the whole kit and caboodle. And it was just a case of that's it. You know, I'm, I'm at the point where, I'm not going anywhere. It, it's it, it, this is where I'm staying. This is where I'm kind of uh, grounding my kids, and you know this is where I want to spend the rest of my days. So it was a, it was a conscious effort to. So 2016 was when it was, this full time. I'm in Rosalind. Absolutely, yeah. It was well actually 2015, but it, right. it, 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 the decision to stay here was before then, and then there was about a 12 month hiatus before my um, my ex finally left to head back to Australia. So again, not to dwell on the divorce kind of aspect of raising kids, but of course, as we've both been through a divorce, it's, you know, you kind of have to, yeah, it's, it's something you can't kind of avoid. It kind of happened. There's a story there. Um, So you've been through a separation with the kids. So did that happen in Australia or did that happen in Canada? Or like, how does that work? Did you have 50, 50, uh, custody or was it a whole mess of going through the courts to trying to figure something out? Well, it was a mess between two countries. So it was an absolute and total bun fight. Um, the final separation orders weren't actually completed till last year, 2019, but, and kind of my two younger children, Saskia and Lachlan went back with my ex. So, you know, kind of it, it was it's just been a an awful long process to to get to the point where we are today and financially as you can imagine you got to work in oil and gas it was um you know everything up for grabs and so so lots of money lots of fighting around you know spousal support child support like who who takes the kids apps the whole kid and caboodle and hundreds hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars Oh, so, right. No, okay. okay. So looking back, looking back, is there, are there any positive takeaways? And if somebody else was going through something similar, an international child custody, divorce, whatever, what do you take away from it? What positives did you experience, if any? And in looking back, is there anything, any other advice you'd have? I look, I mean, the only thing is kind of, it's the people that you're with are more important than the money. You kind of, and also time is more important than money. I mean, you know, I was earning at one stage two and a half thousand dollars a day in, in one of the big jobs I was working on. Looking back in hindsight, if uh, uh, the, the money that I put in my pocket wasn't worth it. It, it all went anyway, because I mean, the, the divorce rate in fly and fly out is between 80 and 90%. So if you think you're going to survive it and get yourself through at the end of the day, 
forget it. It's kind of you're actually being set up to fail. There's kind of if you've got a five year plan and you don't make it in five years, get out. My five year plan blew into 16, 17 years in total. I was not only burnt out, I was also less than broke. I mean, I, I was a couple of hundred thousand dollars in debt by the end of the divorce. And which, you know, kind of it, it's got to take a little while to, to get back on my feet again. But, you know, I've got my family, I've got my house, I've got my partner, I've got all the positives by yeah. getting through it. So the only, yeah, yeah. the uh, my advice to anybody um, who's in a, a relationship that's um, falling apart and you're work doing fly in, fly out or away from home, get out now. Uh, and um, also I remember- Yep. And also, um, you're the most important person in your kid's life. So get out and get yourself together and then think about the kids later. It's no use doing the, I'm going to sacrifice everything for the kid game because that's a mugs game. You're not actually doing the kid or your children any favors whatsoever. As you said earlier on, and as I totally believe, you've got to be the best person you can be. To, to set the example for your kids. If you're just a, a basket case struggling to um, uh, keep some sort of a, a non-existent premise up and running and maybe one day it'll turn out okay, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So I agree with you. Um, it, no, it's interesting to hear you say that as somebody who earned a good wage, who, you know, who could potentially set yourself up you know, in the long term with property. You, know, you bought a place in Rosalind and whatever. But yeah, it's interesting because the quote from the judge in my child custody case, and I lost, he further compromises earning potential by devoting too much time to his son. At that point, you can't win. Because if I was the dad away working full time, earning 100 grand a year, then I wouldn't have been given the kid anyway, because I wouldn't I'd be completely detached. And the mum would be so so there was for me as a dad, I couldn't win. Well, the, the thing is, it, it's it's a lose lose uh, situation in terms of kind of any way that you look at it because uh, the nurturing parent or a, a nurturing parent or more to the point every parent wants to be the nurturer for their child you know you want to spend the time with your children you don't really want to be out at work you know you want to kind of see your children grow up you want to see them take their first steps you want to kind of teach them how to throw a ball you want to teach them how to ski as I did with my kids, you want to kind of teach them how to ride motorbikes and, and, you know, kind of do all the things that kind of um, you did as a kid and more. And the, the only way you can do that is to spend time with the kids. So society sort of set it up. So it doesn't work that way. And I mean, yeah. in, in my case, you know, kind of my uh, uh, ex-partner liked the money that I was earning. And so, you know, kind of, because it meant that she didn't have to work. And yeah. so it, it, that went against me as well, because, you know, kind of, I, I was able to survive, you know, supply the 20 to $30,000 a month to the household. Wow. I know. It, and, 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 but the thing is, it was all gone, you know, and then, then I would have to find the next job. And um, that would, would probably have more, you know, more danger involved, because as you know, I've worked in some reasonably dangerous situations. And, uh, and again, you know, kind of most of the driver to go back and get the next job would be to pay the tax because all the money's gone. I mean, kind of, you know, you can understand that, you know, if you're bringing in that sort of money, your tax. Huge is, tax bill. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, you're paying it you know, up around 55 cents in the dollar for, for most of the work you're doing in, in, in that sort of tax range. So, wow. yeah, for me, I, I'd spent a lot of time going away looking for work to pay the tax because the money was all spent. That's crazy. So, so with that being said, and I'm hundred percent with you, I think being around with be your kids on a regular basis and being able to engage and do the activities. But now I'm in a situation where I see Seth in holidays. So I've found, I found an ability to connect with him over FaceTime, which is amazing. The holidays are fantastic because we get such and I'm someone who I took up skateboarding. I'm 46. I took up skateboarding last year. Um, I often mention this and um, I've never done it before, but it means that we can do stuff together. And we, so we kind of grow and learn together and we have like, he's going to ditch me for friends pretty quick here. He's yeah. seven, but 
the fact that we have this intense time, it's sort it's working out. Like we have a really good, strong connection. And I'm I'm kind of amazed that we do have such a strong connection. And I think that's FaceTime to a huge, to a huge extent. Um, but you must have had some pretty like you must have had some pretty great experiences as the hot I'd essentially say I'm the holiday dad. You know, would you say like even though you're not around them regularly throughout their life always because of the work, the holidays must have been fantastic. Uh, it, it always were because I mean I live in the ski resort. I mean I, I can see the ski runs out, out of my bedroom window, which is kind of nice. You know, kind of we the kids always had mountain bikes. We would mountain bike out of the out of the uh, garage, and that's pretty awesome. Take take it from there. So and you know I've got a really neat motorcycle, so. You know, I would just chuck the kids on the motorbike and we would kind of or one of the kids on the bike and we'd just go up into the mountains. And that that was always a blast. So we were always doing the the, the daddy kid stuff that was allowed. I mean, kind of in terms of the relationship. So yeah, that that was always great. And um the one thing I can say about e even your situation is you know, when when your child's uh, kind of year 10 or something like that he might want to come over and spend three or four years and finish his schooling here with you i kind of i it's what i'm discovering is i mean even with my son lachlan because I'd, I'd hardly see him at the moment uh he'll kind of we'll, we'll make up later you know we're, we're not losing out on stuff we'll have time to to get together and, and do great stuff together. It's my job now just to keep myself fit and able to um, kind of keep up with him when the time comes. And that's easy. I just remain passionate about all the fun things that I do in life as, as it is, you know, and I, I do the classic, be the best person you can be. Yes. Yeah. yeah and, and really that's all you have to do. And you'll, it'll be so easy when if, they kind of finally decides to spend time with you because he will, because, you know, you can bet the Seth is curious about you, wants to know a whole lot more about you, you know, kind of, and it, it's, it'll, it'll be more than just like you and I over Zoom at the moment. It'll be well, kind of, you go together, let's just go and play catch up. Let's hang up, you know, hang out, you know, and yeah. ex explore stuff, you know? I think you're right. I think um, I need, yeah. And I've kind of, but at the same time, I'm letting it go in the sense of not expecting that he will come back in his teenage years, that maybe it will be after he's finished school over there. And just so I don't build it up for a lot of yeah. disappointment, but I think you're right. He gets to be here anyway. Yeah. And um, yeah, we, we often talk about, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things roll out, but it's hard for a boy not to be around their dad. So I think both for Lachlan and for Seth too, I think eventually there is going to be a desire and to want to have a you know a deeper connection, like and an, a lengthier time, not just a holiday, but like actually spend you know a length of time together so we can really get to know each other. I'm um, not that we don't know each other, but it's it's not the same, is it, when you're yeah. just on holiday? Oh, look, it, it's well. The thing is, because it's a short um, term, there's no investment. You know, kind of uh, Seth. Uh, in, in my opinion, we'd probably go, I'm going to make the most of this and I'm going to get to know dad as best I can, but it's only for three weeks or it's only for four weeks. And I'm going to go yeah. back to kind of the, the way it's got to be where, you know, that the, his, his normal life is, is, is not life in the UK at the moment. I'm experiencing it with my two daughters at the moment. It's every day is just fantastic because yeah. Yeah, my my appreciation is that much more than most uh, fathers would have uh, of their children because I spent all of those years away and and you know when I did have time with them it was kind of a lot of catch up on life to, life stuff and then time with the kids. Yeah, 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 no but, doubt. Um, but uh, look, it, it I'm the eternal optimist because I I I know it's going to work out okay because I, I did what you suggested earlier on, which was just let go and let it happen, you know, you could, yeah. and, and kind of my kids absolutely adore me now because kind of, they say, well, yeah, this is, a, he's a pretty cool guy. He's not stressed about anything. He's not trying to make me do anything. Yeah. He's looking out for me, you know, he's sort of guiding me, but he's not actually pushing me, you know, and, you know, I, I could, you know, I'm, finding as, as, as I'm getting older, I'm actually getting more heard than 
I, I believe a lot of other parents are, 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 are um, experiencing because they're kind of with helicopter parents you kind of you, you might as well have the voice of um charlie brown's mother in the background you know wah, 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 wah. Yeah. yeah totally that's <laughs> because, so true because that's all that's happening for them whereas you know i'm actually being heard and and being respected and being loved and all of that stuff and it's primarily because all i'm doing is what a parent should do and that's guiding them it sounds to me as well you're doing something that a lot of people don't do and i'd say for friends of mine like just in general people don't listen That's people important. aren't very good and i think when you have an ability to listen to and having been involved in outdoor education for years and working with tons of teenagers i think the fact when you start listening to them they it kind of throws them off they're not yeah. used to it and i think having any parent and it sounds to me that that's what you do Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's the most important part of any conversation. You just shut up and listen. Yeah. Ask, ask the question and wait and see how it bounces. You know, if it doesn't bounce, then um, leave it for another day. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. And that's, yeah. So for me, and you, yeah, I did definitely relate in terms of how you're approaching the parenting, because for me too, it's acceptance and trust. It's what I've realized. This is recently I was thinking about this. And I think, how, when's the next holiday? When am I seeing him next? Okay, that's great. Let's, let's focus our attention on that and how fantastic it will be. And let's talk as much as we can on FaceTime and stay connected. And then we, we're together. It's going to, I thought it would fade. We've almost become stronger in terms of our connection because it's like, a, it's, it's weird to say this. It's almost like a romance. We're both so excited to see each other. So when we do, <laughs> it's just like fireworks and we have the best time. And yeah, it's it's kind of a buzz acceptance and then just trusting the process, is, yeah. which is exactly what you're saying. Well, the thing is, what, what you're doing there is you've guaranteed your success later on. It's it's not even a, you know, kind of, it might happen that he wants to spend a lot of time with me. It'll be, it will happen. It, it, it will do. And look, kind of, if you put yourself in the, the um, uh, the uh, position of say a helicopter parent or even worse still that the new snowplow parents you know about those the ones that clear the way for their children so their, their children are growing up with no life skills no life experience no risk reward kind of um, factor in their life and risk reward is what we all do that it's the most important thing in life um, so and you, if you just let the process um, just pan out you know, kind of on its own, the results are fantastic. You don't have to try, you don't have to worry, and you don't have to stress. And you kind of, and, and again, I, I, I have to keep on repeating it. It's all about you being the best person you can be. And funny yeah. thing is, great things happen whenever yeah, yeah. You're, 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 you're the person who's just being the best they can be. Yeah, hundred percent. No, I, I agree with that. And so with that, what do you think about advice for an expectant father? I mean, there's loads of stuff. Is there any one thing you could pin it down to? Uh, yeah, um, the, you pretty much knocked it on the head earlier on. Don't let that stop your life. Let that start your life. You oh, know, well. kind of, yeah, that, that it's a simple, because that's what it is. You know, kind of, it's, just the next big step make it fun because you know kind of that's what it should be you know kind of your expectations of your children are that they're happy the best way for a person to be happy is to be free to be happy you know you kind of you can't expect kind of happiness or love or anything onto another human being all you do is give yeah and what you're doing is you're teaching your children to give as, as a result and I love and, that yeah yeah and that's the only advice I'd, I, I would give, you know. I'm going to hold on to the make it fun because that I definitely relate to. Yeah. Well, as an older dad too, being, yeah, 39 when I had Seth, I'm now 46, two-year-old. I think being helping for me, maintaining my health, not getting injured, um, it's just going to keep me young because I want to have fun and make it fun. Yeah. And that look, way, yeah. Push those limits, you know, kind of keep it fun. I mean, you know, I'm still kind of skiing like I was in my twenties, you know, it hurts now when I hit the ground and sometimes I hit the ground super hard, but I still ski like that. 
you know, I, I still ride a motorbike. Like I used to always ride a motorbike, but I used to race bikes way back. So, you know, kind of it, it, it's everything's choreographed, even, you know, in, in terms oh, yeah. of, oh gosh, yeah. yeah so in terms of, of risk management, like totally. I'm suddenly seeing you speeding around corners on a coastal mountain road and like, like in the Cedar sky or somewhere. Like, so do, have you, do you feel that you sort of, you're more conscious of your risk management or are you? Oh, 100%. Oh, you are. 100, yeah. 100%. For a second there, I thought you were going to pretty, pretty uh, wild on the, on the mountain roads on that motorbike. I'm not slow. Um, and I'm, but kind of every road that I've ever ridden, like every race that I ever kind of rode in, it was um, you, you, you ride the track before you, 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 um, you right. do it, you pick yeah. your lines and stuff like that. You, you have your riding technique completely down pat. Like, you know, I, I ride like I ski, like I do anything. It's kind of uh, relaxed, centered, and um, kind of all of my lines have been picked. It, when I used to kind of do the extreme skiing and jump cliffs and all that sort of crazy stuff, um, I used to, you know, kind of stand on the edge and, and kind of time it and stuff like that and do little bits of um, you know, preparatory work and, you know, kind of do a standing jump before you did the big display run and jump and all that sort of stuff it it's very much like the really great skiers that you see up at whitewater you think oh gosh they're good but they're not good they're practice yeah. every run has been choreographed and that's what you do with life you know yeah. kind of and you know kind of when my kind of partner's kind of riding with me or she sees me ride she goes i look at all the other riders on the road and you sit kind of you don't seem to be putting any effort into it Whereas they're, they're, they're kind of pushing their bikes or kind of moving around and it just really looks like they're uncomfortable and their lines are about on the road where you seem to always be in the right spot. And I go, well, yeah, because I've ridden that road before time and time again, you know, if I'm bored yeah, on the yeah. road, I'm going in and out of potholes. And, and so it goes. So it, yeah. it's, and it's the, um, and that's, that's just developing life skills. And it, it's also developing techniques that you can pass on to your kids. Yeah. You know, like kind of you choreograph it. You don't, you know, kind of all of my kids will ride motorbikes eventually because I'm passionate about it. And they, they think it's just so much fun. I want them to be safe riders. You know, I want them to kind of get as much fun out, out, out of it as they possibly can. And they're picking up my riding techniques and my ability. And it's the same with the skiing and stuff yeah. like that. Like kind of, you know, my two daughters, they're phenomenal skiers, but the thing that they've picked up is the relaxed and the centered stance and the just getting out and having fun and, and always having fun. Yeah. You know, like, so, it, and it, so, yeah. I like, the, I like the choreograph stuff that you're talking about because I relate that in both. I was thinking about me with skateboarding, same thing. I don't jump in anything. I baby steps, baby steps, baby steps. I know the lines before I jump in, I roll into the bowl. And it makes it way safer, actually. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wearing pads and stuff. But the same thing with set skiing, actually. I was just thinking that I would, I think most parents would just bore of it. But I would do the same line again and again and again and again. I'm talking like two years yep. with him, not on my own. But like when I'm with him, he's doing that same line. So he got so comfortable with it. And he became a great skier very quickly, parallel skiing from the age of three. Um, yeah, it was three years old. He started parallel skiing and yeah, just incredible skier, but it's all about that. It's all about exactly that. Like having fun, yep. being choreographed and really training those same moves again and again and again. And That's again. it. And I think you can relate that to life. I like that, that you said that. Um, yeah, it's a really good point. And having, yeah, having fun and being relaxed with it. Yeah. And the more trained you are in those same moves again and again, knowing the route, the more you can relax and then you can take that to any other route. That you're doing whether it be on a bike or skis or whatever totally so really, yeah i like that thing about that is it's all about training but it also it's a, it's it's a life skill in, in yeah, yeah. And, and 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 also it, it develops a process of how to think and it, it, it you can take that into work you can take that into it kind of anywhere in life 
in terms of developing yourself. And, uh, and it's nice too that the kids can get one sport. I heard this a long time ago now, but the idea of, um, this is from another father, uh, way before, long before I was a dad, but the idea of getting, to, getting very good at one sport. And once you've got one sport down, the mood, you can actually transfer to different sports very easily once you've learned the art of one. Oh, totally that. And, and, and another thing you kind of you bring out with that too is once children experience success, because that's what be, being um, good at, at, at a, a single sport is, they, they want to become successful. And so the success breeds success, breeds success, breeds success. And again, that goes into everything in life. So I mean, it, it's just really simple things that kind of can affect a child's life growing up. And, you know, kind of having a, for my kids, having just a, a wacky dad who's kind of lived on the edge for the, the best part of his life it is kind of cool, you know? I mean, even when I used to work overseas, you know, kind of Yasmin used to tell her friends at school that I was a spy. And so, you know, kind of, so, you know, it was, there was always this mystery about dad who was always working overseas on this job per se, you know? So it was, um, yeah, there was a bit of a mystique built around the kind of, even yeah. this weirdo dad that was away from home, but it was, it was kind of fun, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, thanks, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat. Um, it's great hearing some of your experiences being a dad and i think relatable for a lot of other dads that have to spend time away from their kids you know just to do the right thing and earn the money to pay the bills and all the rest of it so it's good it's really interesting to hear your your uh, your take on that oh look thanks blue it's been an absolute pleasure it always is and we'll have to find something else to talk about it's always great mate cool mate all right well good chat we'll be in touch you betcha blue you take care mate and now for a check-in with my favorite psychologist and fellow dad, Todd Kettner. Okay, so talking to Paul about his international oil and gas work, where he's away from the young kids for you know six months to eight months sometimes. We were talking about the fact that when he came back home, and at this point, this is a few years ago, he didn't have FaceTime, he doesn't have, um, he can't Zoom, do Skype calls. So the phone is really the best, you know, method that he has to connect with his kids, maybe letters and pictures and things like that, that he can be sending back home. But he was saying that, yeah, it takes a while for him to reconnect with the kids when he comes back home. And I just wonder um, what impact that extended time away has on attachment with your kids. And is there any ways that you could, you know, any, are there any methods that you can uh, employ to reduce that impact on the attachment? Yeah, for sure, uh, Blue, this is uh, not, not a recent phenomena, right? We go back to uh, um, parents working away. We go back to uh, military personnel serving overseas. We think of workers going to in Canada here to uh, northern or coastal uh, jobs often and uh, you're talking about Paul who's working internationally right and the the contact um, with some frequency and some predictability is great and FaceTime has really been helpful phone is fine too letters are great cards are great things that uh, are left behind that are sort of dated for opening like uh, the advent calendar, but it's the Monday, Monday toy and note from dad or those kind of things that bring the parent to the kid's mind and brings the kid to the parent's mind. So much of our connection uh, in parenting and within families is that emotional cognitive connection. So anything that can be done to enhance the frequency or the depth or the regularity of that is a good thing. You raise another point about coming back into the family system and the lack of familiarity and the time it takes to sort of reconnect and things that prime that ahead of time you know, a letter 
that arrives a week a week before the parent returns a phone call a series of phone calls talking about what we might do when we get back together depending on the age of the kid and then uh, comfort with letting that time unfold and play out when the actual physical connection comes back together and trying to have some active activities and the physical uh, snuggles that uh, can be in the context of other things, right? Yeah, yeah. Camping, reading stories at night, sitting beside each other, playing chopsticks on the piano, whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. I love what you just said about the advent calendar. So your suggestion was this idea, if we use that Christmas advent calendar idea, um, is that is there what? There's a schedule for so on each day, there's a particular thing that happens, whether it be a gift or a card or a, like, so there's a regularity. Yeah, exactly. And if it's a one or two week absence, you could do that realistically on a daily basis, right? Here's a, here's a story that dad has picked uh, to read to you. Here's a recording on the iPhone, you know, and uh, MP file that, that dad's read a, a story to you that gets played or if it's a longer absence, then maybe uh, could be a weekly one, a weekly kind of thing where it's something to look forward to. And, and we have this cognitive and emotional loop as human beings where part of, part of the enjoyment and the, the gratification that we get out of important life events is looking forward to and reflecting fondly on it's not just the time we go on vacation right it's the time planning the vacation it's the time looking at photos afterwards and so taking that that cognitive model into parenting and giving the kid something to look forward to each week or each day depending on the time time frame can be really really cool that's brilliant because i do a lot of little things like that but i haven't done it in a set schedule like a week to week so maybe we should create an advent calendar here at home and then send it off to him with that idea in mind. That would be brilliant. I love that. Thanks mm. for that, Todd. Yeah, That's you're great. welcome. Let me know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, as ever, great to talk to you. Thanks so much. No worries. Thanks for joining us this week on Dad Without Borders. A full list of episodes can be found at dadwithoutborders.com. And for updates, follow on Instagram at dadwithoutborders. You can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, Google, or radio.com. While you're at it, if you enjoyed listening or you know any dads that might find value in this show, please share the podcast with your friends. Dad Without Borders will be back next week with another dad and further insights with Todd Kettner.